millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition, a delicious range of sumptuously smooth dark chocolate. You're listening to the Irish Times Women's Podcast. I'm Roisin Ingle. Just in case you don't know, the Irish Times is producing a daily confronting Corona podcast and it has updates on all the developments in this constantly changing situation. You can find it on irishtimes.com or wherever you get your podcasts and it's really worth listening to. The new restrictions are brought in since our last episode. The police are in my local park breaking up bigger groups and making sure the social distancing guidelines are in place. We can still go out if we're under 70, but only once a day for exercise and only in our two kilometre radius. And I don't know about you, but I've been finding some interesting places to go with the kids. Places that are usually buzzing with people, but are a bit deserted, uh, all in my 2k radius. And There's also a very handy internet tool which can help you find exactly how far you can go. So do go and check that out. On Friday night when the restrictions came in, it was, I think we all felt it was quite unsettling again. But we're all learning to move with this constantly evolving situation. And I know as well as sadness, I felt quite a sense of relief that we were more properly locked down and that these rules were being enforced because it's the only way that we're going to save lives and, as they say, flatten the curve of those cases. Today, we're going to be talking to one of the Irish doctors in Australia who dropped everything to answer the call from the HSE to be on call for Ireland. My interview with Dr Zoe Lynch is a good insight into what it's like to be in the medical profession in Ireland at the moment. And on a totally different note, Irish Times beauty writer Laura Kennedy came on from London, where she lives, to talk about the much more, yes, I suppose it is trivial matter of how we're all coping without the many and varied beauty and hair experts some of us avail of. So if you're having some bad hair days lately in lockdown, this might just help. But first, you've been sending in your pandemic poetry, and thank you very much. This one is from a listener called Sarah Farrell. It's very nice, and it's called Simply Together. Corona, a word which when translated means crown. Corona, the virus turning our world upside down. Life as we know it is shifting and spinning. A battle at times we can't imagine winning. Words like distancing, lockdown, social isolation, scary vernacular and a global alteration. In the way that we work, the way that we live, less emphasis on the take and more on the give. Buy only what you need, leave plenty for others. Aren't we all, in the end, global sisters and brothers? For now we need to get that curve suppressed, so keep yourself to yourself Get dressed for no guests. 
Connect over WhatsApp, email and Zoom. Outside your window, spring is starting to bloom. A reminder that after darkness comes light. The battle we'll win if we continue to fight. Not each other, not for loo roll, not for countless bags of pasta. Only a selfless approach saves us from disaster. Give what you can from a distance essential. Use this time to tap into your potential. Support the key workers, ease their burden when they need. Not all heroes wear capes, and they are heroes indeed. That was Sarah Farrell's pandemic poem together. And thank you very much, Sarah, for sending it in. And if you have any pandemic poetry or indeed if you'd like to contribute in any way or suggest ideas for what we should be covering during this situation, email us on the women's podcast at irishtimes.com. And we'd also like to welcome all our new listeners because our audience figures have been going up since the podcast started coming from my bedroom. So that's something nice. And thank you all for listening. We really hope that what we're bringing to you here on the Women's Podcast is helping you through this difficult time. Now, there have been 36 coronavirus related deaths in the Republic of Ireland and 2,415 confirmed cases after the National Public Health Emergency Team reported 14 more deaths and 294 new cases on Saturday. The country's hospitals and health system is going to come under very significant pressure over the coming weeks. And we wanted to talk to someone who's going to be involved in that. And Dr Zoe Lynch was one of 90 Irish doctors based in Perth in Western Australia who answered the HSE's Be On Call for Ireland campaign, dropping everything to scramble to get a flight out and back to Ireland, where she will be joining her colleagues on the front line fighting this pandemic. She spoke to me as she self-isolates with her family, waiting to join the team at St Vincent's Hospital. And I began by asking her to tell me about her decision to leave Australia and come home to help. So I was living in Perth for the last nearly two years, um, working on a paediatric team at the moment. And I was at home. I was actually folding a, a bunch of clothes coming out of the dryer and in the middle of folding them when I heard the news that Emirates were closing their flights beyond a couple of days after that stopped folding my clothes they were left there in a, in a messy pile for some time thereafter and essentially Perth went into a frenzy all of the Irish doctors that I know that lived in Perth frantically texting each other calling each other contacting each other as to how we were going to get home most of us were planning on going home in the coming weeks anyway, based on what was going on. But I think the urgency was really heightened when we realised that we weren't going to have a way home beyond, I'd say, 72 hours. So the first thing I did was pick up the phone and call the Department of Foreign Affairs. And I spoke to a gentleman there and he put me in contact with one of his colleagues. And I just explained our situation that we were a bunch of doctors, all Irish and really keen to get home and help with the crisis at home and felt that if we didn't get home in the next couple of days, we'd be trapped essentially in Perth without a way back. So he was very understanding and really helpful. And he advised that I put an email together for him with all of the um, doctor's names, date of birth, passport numbers, and I think phone numbers, and sent it back to him as soon as possible, and that he would send that on to the embassy in Canberra. My phone was flooded with messages. I'd say I had literally about 65 names within less than 20 minutes. I was awake for most of the night, to be honest, because I just felt very sort of anxious and felt like we needed to to work on this to get uh, to get back on time. 
so the next couple of days, I'd say the next two or three days were very uncertain. We obviously had jobs there. We had cars there. We had lives there. Our entire, our entire lives were set up there. We literally had a 24 hour notice that we needed to pack up our lives and I suppose contact our employers and contact our landlords and set our cars and get on a flight and get home. So I called my hospital Um, I was a bit concerned about that because obviously we'd been in Australia for so long and I care massively about the country and, and the patients and my colleagues that I'd worked with for nearly two years. And we didn't want to be putting our our hospitals and the places that we've worked um, in kind of a bad situation because we were all suddenly leaving. So I called the um, head of HR there and she was so accommodating and so understanding and advised us to just go and that they would have the resources to pull together in Australia and try and kind of reshuffle the hospital and have all critical areas covered. Um, And then we attempted to pack up all our stuff calmly, but there was obviously a bit of chaos amongst all of us. It was an absolute mess for for a couple of hours, but then as as usual, these things started to come together. Called our landlord, told him we were moving out and dropped a bottle of wine, a box of chocolates to the neighbours across the road from a distance, um, sold our cars a couple of hours before we hopped on the plane. And and then we landed in London Heathrow and I landed to a message from Sean Doyle, the CEO of Aerolingus, to say that they covered the cost of a flight for all of us from London Heathrow to Dublin, which was so generous and so kind of him. Um, and then quite quickly, I was on a flight to to Dublin. Uh, and what what about when you got here? Oh, so overwhelming, to be honest. Um, and also so strange, like, because a lot of us would have been planning to move home anyway. I was planning to move home in June or June time and start back to work here in July. And, and a huge, a huge amount of us were planning on that. But it certainly wasn't the way that we were planning to come home. And I suppose the absolute rush and panic to get home and, and the circumstances of everything that's going on all over the world was very palpable, you know. Being in airports at a time like this, they're a very strange place to be because it almost feels like obviously you, sh- you shouldn't be there. Um, we were obviously all moving through the airport for good reason, but it's quite chilling to land in Dublin airport and not have your family there waiting for you as you always would have all the previous times I've landed from Australia. It was a strange feeling and it was also a feeling of absolute relief and also comfort in some ways. Like when you land in Dublin airport, it just feels like home and it was just really nice to be home. So you've been home since Thursday, is that right? Yes. And when are you expecting to be able to help with the incredible effort that's going on in our hospitals all over the country? As far as we know, we have to self-isolate for two weeks, but I'm waiting to hear back from the hospital about that tomorrow. I think the HSE have had a number of meetings to try and discuss what the plan is there. I think some hospitals may be taking us back a bit sooner than the two weeks, but obviously once all our um, Irish Medical Council registration comes through, and all of our paperwork is done and they deem us safe to be back in Irish hospitals, we will all be there the second that happens. From a medical perspective, um, Zoe, what's your take on how things are going here? Obviously, the deaths are all very sad, but particularly there was the one healthcare worker who has died so far. And we do seem to have quite a high rate of, of deaths among healthcare workers Yeah, more than other countries. What What do you think about the way things are being handled here? I think obviously it's so that's so incredibly sad and sad for, for the healthcare workers, family and, and friends and everyone who knew them. I think things are being handled really well, to be honest. And I think our government is doing an amazing job at highlighting the need for everybody to stay at home 
obviously within the hospital, there's kind of one set of people doing one one part of the work and then everyone else at home is doing the other part. I think it's obviously incredibly important for us to follow the guidelines and follow the newest guidelines because things are changing quite rapidly with this virus um, in terms of what we're finding out about it and what we know about it. So I think for us as healthcare workers, it's our job to provide care for patients and also to protect ourselves as well as we possibly can. So I'd imagine when we come back to the hospitals that there will be some orientation or kind of introduction to, for us to understand and, and you know, have a bit more information about how to protect ourselves um, and try and keep everyone as safe as possible. Because obviously there's no point in us all coming home and then becoming unwell and not being around to help vulnerable patients. I assume, Zoe, that you already have friends who've been working with COVID-19 patients uh, up to now. What, what are they telling you? Yeah, my best friend, um, Emily, she's in the emergency department. So she's been on to me for the last couple of weeks and kind of updating me on it a lot. Um, and I think, I think to be honest, from what I gather from, from her hospital anyway, things are sort of waiting to kick off in some ways. Obviously, it is busy everywhere already. But she said there's kind of a feeling like it's sort of the calm before the storm in some ways. And that there are currently, I think, tents being set up, um, like COVID tents, um, which sounds like a good idea to me. Um, but yeah, definitely from, from my conversation with her, I 100% understood the need for us to get home because there is no way possible that everyone here would be able to do all the work that's going to be needed in the coming weeks and months. Are you um, scared, I suppose is the wrong word, because as a doctor, you're used to, you know, difficult circumstances. Yeah. But do, do you have any fears at all about, you know, facing into that um line of work which I suppose is something maybe you haven't done before yeah no it's it's not I mean obviously we all come in contact with with infection um all the time as doctors and healthcare workers but yes obviously this is a bit different um yeah scared is the wrong word but there definitely is some apprehension I suppose and concern um but I feel confident at the same time that we're trained to do this and this is what we're we've been trained to do all along and I'm really sort of honoured to take care of these patients um, and get back to take care of Irish Irish patients and work in Irish hospital. Are you looking into doing a lot of research into the illness and how you might help and what things, you know, the upskilling you might need or or just information that you'll need to kind of be able to treat people with the with the illness? Yeah, I suppose all of us are us and and everyone else are sort of saturated with information regarding the virus. And as I was saying, the information that we have about it is just ever evolving. And I think even a week from now, there'll be so much more, hopefully, that we'll know and maybe could better equip us for the time time ahead. Tell me about your own self-isolation. Does that mean you haven't seen your family yet? I'm back in my own family house. So um, as per the guidelines, we could return to our, our own houses, but obviously had to maintain an appropriate distance from family. Um, so essentially I'm back in my house I haven't hugged any of my family members or been anywhere near them since I've got home which is really hard but I am also looking at moving out to accommodation away from my family I'm lucky in that my 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 siblings my parents are, are both 
healthy but I think we've we've all seen that that doesn't necessarily mean that they're safe and myself and my brother he's a doctor as well I think the two of us working in hospitals in the coming weeks and months and returning home to the house is probably not a great idea so I am looking at um, moving out for the duration of the time that we'll be working with this. Tell me about your friends who are again working already with people with COVID-19 and their apprehension or things that they are possibly worried about or are they do they feel safe as they can possibly feel um my brother as i was mentioning my brother there so he's an intern um at the moment so he graduated less than a year ago and he was on a 24-hour call there the other the other night and i think he just was was explaining a case to me of a patient that sounded like they were quite unwell and obviously there were other doctors there to assist and and to help as well um but i suppose there is concern that people will be stretched um and kind of have to step step up to the plate um work longer hours I suppose and probably take on a bit more responsibility I suppose that's inevitable with what's what's coming and hopefully we can feel supported and adequately educated and ready ready for what's ahead okay and what about just generally your colleagues back in Australia dealing with this too what's the situation there in terms of cases how how bad is it there now I was in Perth, um, so obviously Perth, Western Australia, it's one of the, I think it's the most isolated city in the world. Um, so in some ways they're quite protected. Before I left to come back here, um, life was very strangely almost acting normal there. Um, so restaurants were still open, people were still out for drinks, schools were open, people were sort of almost going about their life as normal, which we found really difficult to deal with because because we were obviously watching everything at home here and, and watching social media of our friends at home and, and not out. So it felt very strange to sort of be living in one world and then watching the way another world was was working. Um, I think in the last couple of days, things have really shut down in Australia. I don't know if they've closed their schools yet, but they certainly closed down a lot of businesses and things like that. The number of cases is quite low there, was quite low there when I left. I'm not sure what it's climbed to now. Um, in my hospital in Perth, there was just one confirmed case that I knew of in, in the hospital and it was related to travel. So there wasn't like community spread that we knew of there. We just don't know what's going to happen there. So the other doctors you're, that you kind of corralled to get it, um, to be on call for Ireland, as the HSE called their, their campaign, are you all still keeping in touch? Are you all like raring to go? Is that the mood in your WhatsApp group now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we are all still in touch. Um, I think the first couple of days, everyone's just probably a bit overwhelmed. Like our whole life has just completely changed drastically, um, really, in such a short, short space of time. Um, and everyone was a bit jet lagged to start with. But I think in the next day or two, or certainly tomorrow, once we hear back from hospitals and find out what the plan is, everyone is so eager to get involved, to get back to work, to get into hospitals and to help fight this and take it on. And I think as well, that was a lot of our motives to get back, like watching our friends and our colleagues back here who didn't come to Australia with us, who've been working, in, you know, incredibly long hours and, and very under very difficult stretch situations. Um, to watch them and think that if we didn't come back that their lives would be made even more difficult it just didn't feel right um, so in some ways I think a lot of us have returned with intention of taking care of patients but also being on the front line alongside our friends yeah well we all stood outside our doors uh, the other night and clapped for all the health workers and it was a really special moment I think for everybody because yeah. it, just, it feels like there's nothing much we can do but it was just to show that support and I'm sure as a colleague of those people it must feel even more moving and and profound really 
Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. My mum's friends actually knocked on our door and then kind of ran down the end of the driveway um, and clapped at the end of the driveway. So it's actually very, very nice and really moving. And I think even though this is such an uncertain time for everyone and we're all finding it difficult and it's difficult to isolate and it's difficult to be away from the people that we love. I also think it's a time for us all to sort of reflect and find some goodness in all of this and from my side I certainly feel like I've witnessed firsthand so much generosity and kindness and care from people and everyone is sort of in the same boat and everyone is there to try and help each other and be there for one another and I think that's really important that we continue that in the weeks coming because they are tough and it's not easy for anyone like obviously there's so many personal and professional situations for people that that are very difficult. Um, I know you can't, uh, you don't have a crystal ball or anything just because you're a doctor, but when you look ahead to see when this might all be over, when things might return to normal, have you got a sort of date in your head or a time? I certainly don't have a crystal ball because I'm a doctor. Um, no, to be honest, I, I really don't know. Um, I'm certainly not in a position to comment on that. And, and I think the, the professionals that have been dealing with this and the infectious disease consultants would be able to give you a much better answer. So I'm in the same boat as, as anyone else, really, in terms of time frame. And um, yeah, I'll leave, I'll leave that up to them. Brilliant. Well, Dr. Zoe Lynch, just want to say thank you very, very much for, for doing what you did and dropping everything and being the key person to corral and get all your colleagues together who were obviously so keen to come home and be part of the, the help effort here. That's that's just been so incredible. Um, and the best of luck with everything you do now in the next weeks and months. And I hope you stay safe as well. Not at all. Thanks very much for that. And, and thanks for having me on as well. And everyone's ready to go. Great. Thanks a lot, Zoe. No worries. That was Dr. Zoe Lynch there, and we wish her and all her colleagues the best in the difficult weeks and months ahead. The Irish Times Women's Podcast is brought to you by Green and Black's Velvet Edition. Sumptuously smooth, dark chocolate. Now, you've probably seen the meme going around about the fact that we're only a couple of weeks away from knowing the real colour of everybody's hair, as lockdown life means we can no longer avail of the beauty therapists and hair experts that some of us go to regularly, some more regularly than others. While we know these issues are trivial compared to what's going on, we thought it might be helpful to have Laura Kennedy, Irish Times beauty writer, to talk us through some of the things that we can do to ourselves at home that might boost morale and make us feel a bit better while in lockdown. So here she is, Laura Kennedy. You're coming to us from London. So before we get on to the beauty SOS and all those hacks that you're going to tell us about, how is life in lockdown there? Um, I mean, it's weird. You're just sort of limited to the inside of your own house. There was a very weird time for people here when obviously every other country in Europe, at least, was taking a completely different approach um, and everything was just fully open. I, I mean, obviously, um, the UK is my home now, so... Uh, not to be ungenerous toward British people, but culturally it is different here. Attitudinally, there is this sort of idea of, um, I don't know, people are harder to get to comply with things. Um, so uh, the last time that I went for an kind of outside excursion, we went for a walk last Sunday and it was the last time that we kind of did anything outside the house. And it was just, there were people everywhere, just huge quantities of people everywhere um, to the point that it was concerning because my partner has a respiratory thing. So 
yeah, I mean, we were just like, all right, no more outside. People aren't listening. So, mm. How are you managing for food and supplies? Well, um, I have eaten my my partner. He is deceased. <laughs> <laughs> the cat's looking delicious. Um, no, I I built up a little store of stuff and um, basics. So we're we're grand for another week, I'd say. And I'm I don't know. It's that kind of uh, practicing some ingenuity in terms of recipes. So we're not wasting. We're trying to use everything. Be sensible with what we're eating and. Um, yeah, uh, hopefully we'll be all right for a week or so. And then I have to kind of think about what to do then, um, because online ordering here isn't really doable anymore. And obviously there are people who need it more than we do. So I guess I'll venture out and see what we've what we've got to choose from. But the last time that I was in a supermarket um, over a week ago, it was just chaos and all of the basics were not there. So, yeah, I mean, it's concerning, but we'll see how it is in a week or so. Yeah, um, you mentioned your partner there, Laura, but I know you have a bit of news because um, we're friends and I got a lovely card through my door, I think it was last week, which has some news on it. Can you tell us your news? Oh, yeah. Uh, so we got married. You got married without telling anyone? Without telling Om Roisin the drama that ensued. Oh, God. Um, yes, we didn't tell anyone. We didn't tell family. Uh, we had two friends who uh, were the kind of legally required witnesses and we chose the two people we thought, you know, least likely to judge or make a fuss. Because, you know, if you if you get married 10 minutes from your house without telling anyone, uh, <laughs> the last thing you want is fuss. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a bit funny in that um, we did it the day before Ireland shut down schools and everything. And I've had a couple of kind of um, work related emails from colleagues I know a little, but not that well, saying things like, oh, it's so unfortunate that you had to shrink your wedding. We're like, no, this wasn't in reference to coronavirus. This is planned since last year. This is what we wanted. Tell everyone the wording on the card that you sent to people, because I love this so much. Okay. I have it here. It just says, uh, Laura and Jules were privately married on March 11th, 2020. Depending on how you look at it, we're sorry or you're welcome. You didn't have to come to the wedding. You were in our thoughts. <laughs> you see, I'd be one of the ones. Thank you very much for doing that. <laughs> My aunt and uncle, to, to be honest, we had some some unfortunate reactions from various areas of our family. Um, some tears, etc., which were obviously not uh, ideal at all. But when we call my beloved aunt and uncle, my aunt was just, my uncle was shouting in the background. He shouts everything he ever says um, in, in sort of with an ebullience, never with aggression. He's just, he's from County Limerick and he just roars everything. Um, so he was in the background having a conversation that no one was listening to because, you know, that's kind of how Irish husbands tend to be. And my aunt was on the phone saying, you know, I'm delighted. We were at a wedding last week and the bride was in red and I kept forgetting what kind of event I was at. I just... She couldn't even be doing it. So, well, I just think, yes, you've done everyone a service and what good timing as well, because imagine if you had organized something elaborate or even something small, it would have been quite disappointing. So as usual, you have your finger on the pulse, Laura Kennedy. Now, I need your other um, finger on the pulse here. Uh, you have so many strings to your bow. You're a doctor in philosophy and you are also um, an expert in beauty, which the Irish Times gets the benefit of every week and all our readers as well. Now, this time, um, although we don't want to trivialize it, 
there is a funny thing going on and I see it a lot on social media and experiencing it myself. We are not able to get out to the various therapists and beauty places and hairdressers anymore that we, many of us availed of, some to a greater degree than others. But I think everyone's kind of experiencing it in some level. For me, my, I've got this quite healthy uh, couple of inches now of grey that will will have to just be you know, growing. Um, I wasn't one for manicures, but I know people who are really used to getting regular manicures. That's tricky for them. You know, hair epilation, all that kind of stuff. So we thought we'd do a little bit of a beauty SOS while keeping things in perspective. You know, there are people who are very sick. There are people who are dying. We understand that. But there's nothing wrong with kind of trying to keep your morale going uh, when you're on lockdown, um, we suggest. So we thought we'd ask you about that. What's your own take just first generally on, on the kind of beauty SOS situation? Um, it, 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 I mean, it's so subjective, isn't it? I think it's as valid as you feel it is. So, you know, if your hair is making you feel bad, that's valid. Um, it's not, you know, overarchingly important. But at the same time, when you feel you don't have any control in your life, and I think most of us feel like that at the moment, you know, being able to control your roots is a bit comforting. If you don't like two inches of grey, you know, winking at you in the mirror, if you can do something about it, why wouldn't you? I have to say, I wasn't stockpiling, but I do have a couple of those little L'Oreal sprays. <laughs> so I'm kind of, I'm looking at them on my bedside table, just they, they comfort me at night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're great. They're great to have around. And I think a lot of people, hair is the one I'm getting most messages and emails and some phone calls from friends about. Um, I think we are so attached to our hair in terms of our self-image. And I don't know if you saw uh, Marion Key's tweets this week. Yeah. She was tweeting about it, how, you know, just how important her hair is to her. And it's it's so important to all of us. And obviously, many of us are sporting uh, a shade that was not naturally granted to us. And um, as the roots start coming out, you know, you, you see how the sausage is made and it doesn't feel that good for a lot of a lot of us. So, um, you know, we want to do something about it. The temptation to go back to the year 2003 and do a box colour in the bathroom while crying about <laughs> how Stevie dumped you at school is so intense. Um, but I think box colour is kind of the it's the it's the color equivalent of cutting in a fringe you know you're just going to be weeping on the stairs by 4 p.m if you try it but I called Josh Wood yesterday he's a big deal um hair colorist over here and he's he's done every celebrity's hair you can think of um and I really like him and the reason I called him is because he's the only person who in terms of big deal hairstylists has been saying if you need to box color your hair box color your hair you know every everyone I'm seeing on social media is saying, don't do it. And I understand why they're saying that, partially because if you have a relationship with a stylist and you've taken a long time to get your hair colour to where it is, if you box dye it, you're going to bring it back to them when this is over and it's going to be months and a lot of money to fix. But if your roots are making you miserable and you need to box dye them and you want to box dye them, box dye them. You know, it's just hair. So this doesn't work for everybody. You know, if you have sort of a colour change going on, you have balayage, you have highlights, you have baby lights, any of these kind of technical effects. You cannot do that yourself at home. Do not buy a Garnier highlights kit and go to town in the loo. You will not end up with a result that's, you know, appealing to you. But if you just have grey and you want to cover grey, you can do that with a box dye. And, you know, it's not the end of the world. Which ones do you recommend, Laura? Um, I do like the Josh Wood ones. Uh, I like the Garnier Olea ones because they don't have ammonia and also um, Fido have nice ones. But 
when I was talking to Josh yesterday, he gave me some good tips for box dyeing if you insist on doing it. And the first one, which I think is actually very important, is moderate your expectations. You know, you're not, I hate those ads for box color where you see this incredibly, you know, exiguous model with way too much hair for her body weight, um, waving it around with these kind of complex, lovely highlights. You're not going to get that from a box color. You're going to get you know, a flatter finish. It's not going to be quite so complex, but it is going to cover your grays. And if that's what you're prioritizing, go ahead and do it. But Josh said, go for a shade lighter than you think, Um, in part because the hair is often more porous than we think it is, and it will take too much. And you can get this um, heavy kind of depth to the color that doesn't feel natural and that you won't like. Um, also very helpfully, he was saying, uh, if you have colored ends and grays coming through and you don't want that color to deposit through the ends, put a heavy uh, conditioning mask through the ends, do your roots, then wash it out and it won't stick to the ends. Both of those, I, I think, are handy tips. We should um, talk about where people are going to get this stuff if they choose to go down that road. I mean, I saw that Boots have a queue system now online. I presume that's to make sure they can maintain social distancing in their various warehouses and places like that. So um, while these things aren't essential, they're still being you're still able to order them, aren't you, or or get them in in places yeah, you can. Um, and I think a lot of people want to order locally and support Irish businesses, which makes complete sense. Um, you know, there are online versions of Irish pharmacies and websites. Obviously, pharmacies have more important things to be doing at the moment than selling yeah. us hair dye. But if you can get hold of one, great. If you have to resort to Amazon, resort to Amazon. You know, if you need it to make you feel better then procure it how you can and don't feel too bad about it. I also have to, you said a word there that I actually have never heard before. So I need to, 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 to get, make sure, because there might be other listeners who uh, are like me, who've never heard of the word exiguous. Oh, it just means small. (laughs) I love it. Thank you for that. See, you're a font of wisdom, Laura. Okay, so that's hair. Um, box diet if you want to. Um, and there are products out there. Use a shade lighter. Talk to me about a few other things. Eyebrows are something that people might be um, finding a bit tricky at the moment. Indeed, they are. And I, I will touch on that. The one thing, actually, though, I would say about hair is if you can go without box dyeing, do. There are lots of kind of at-home toners you can try um root sprays different things and also you know if you're not worried about your hair and you just feel pressure from the outside bugger it wear the roots who cares you know yeah i mean i saw someone on twitter when i put this out to see if there was any questions for you on twitter just now uh someone said they're using their grays as natural highlights which was a nice way of looking at it yeah if it doesn't bother you it's not broken so don't fix it it's not you don't need to be worrying about your appearance if if you're not worried about it. If you're happy with the graves, obviously you don't have a problem. You don't need to fix it. Do what makes you happy. Right. Back to eyebrows then. Yes. Um, it's so easy to dye your eyebrows at home. All you need is a a, a box dye, something like um, Eyelure Dye Lash. Um, it's an eyelash dye, but you can also use it on your brows. You know, just put a heavy cream around the perimeter of the brow so that you're not dyeing the skin whack it on, follow the instructions, very easy to do and very difficult to get wrong. And it, it gives you more brow because it will dye those sort of very fine pale hairs that tend to have no pigment to them. So it gives you more eyebrow. If you want to maintain your eyebrow, do it with a tweezers very conservatively. So don't touch the main body of the eyebrow, just get the strays and it will feel a lot neater. But don't go back, you know, to 1998 when you just have two <laughs> lowercase ends over your eye. Just... <laughs> caution if you can't be uh, conservative 
don't touch. You know, you 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 know what kind of person you are. If you're the kind of person, like like a skin picker, that you can't stop. Just don't touch your eyebrows. It's not like, worth it. That's me. I'm not going near them. That is the best advice. I'm staying well away. I'm just going to let them go free. You know, when you, Laura, you wouldn't be there yet. But I find as I get older, my eyebrow hair is sort of more. Um, what was that's the word that you would probably know the right word to use? What is it? Wilder. I don't know. Anyway, it's not the same texture as it used to be, and it's very tempting to even just pull out the odd one. So I'm just going to leave my eyebrows and see what they look like at the end of all this. It'll be exciting. It sounds like a good experiment. And the thing is, as well, they're never as bad as you think they are. You know, we obsess about the micro details of our faces. Nobody's looking at you. Everybody's full of existential angst and, you know, worried about the fact that they only have three slices of bread left. Nobody cares about your eyebrows. (laughs) Exactly. I think wiry is the word I'm looking for in terms of my eyebrow hair. And what about nails? There are some people who be off to the likes of Tropical Popical quite regularly for their very elaborate nail um, jobs. And there's other people who like me I go the odd time and I actually very conveniently and totally by accident I had gone for a manicure just before all this kicked off so I'm actually quite pleased with my nails at the moment it's just a, a straightforward shaping you know and they look quite nice but um, if people aren't used to doing their own nails what would you advise uh, in terms of them doing stuff at the moment? Well I've had a few people messaging me quite hilarious photographs of their two-week nail polish you know half grown <laughs> off the nail and it's it's unsightly, but don't pick it off because it will obviously really damage your uh, nails. So it, it's easy enough to get off. It's a little bit time consuming. You need acetone nail polish remover so the regular stuff won't cut it. Um, I like to take some round cotton pads. Just to clarify, I mean, it cut it with normal nail polish. Like I just had regular nail polish on. You were talking about a different kind of nail polish. Yes. So if you go to um, a nail salon regularly or sometimes or you were unlucky enough to go just before this event, you'll have nail polish on, which is a gel polish and it lasts two to three weeks. And what that means is essentially it lasts two to three weeks looking well, but it can stay on your nail kind of indefinitely, really. Um, And it will look quite good. It'll keep its shine and its nice finish. But obviously, as your new nail grows through, you'll get this gap between your cuticle and the polish. So if you want to take that off, you need to uh, get a rough nail file, buff the shiny top coat off that polish. Um, Soak uh, some cotton pads. Um, I like to cut the round ones in four just to prevent waste. Soak them in an acetone nail polish remover. Wrap the finger in foil. Leave it for about 10 minutes. And then you should be able to just push the softened polish off the nail with an orange stick or or something else. Um, Most of us might not have acetone polish remover at home. You can still order it from various places. And unfortunately, it is the only thing that's going to get that gel polish off your fingernails. Um, Other than that, I mean, nails are nails, aren't they really? You don't have to do much with them unless you want to. Um, You know, a, a clear base coat that contains some kind of nourishing ingredient will keep them looking nice and polished. If you're one of those people who tends to pick or bite unless you have polish on, then it's a good idea to, you know, do it yourself at home. But it's a good time to experiment and have a, have a bit of fun. You know, whatever you got in the cupboard, shove it on your nails. Have a laugh with it. Why not? I mean, if it's terrible, nobody's going to see it. So That's true. Apart from hair, which is obviously you're fielding a lot of questions about that, what other things are people asking you, Laura? And what are you finding yourself that you're having uh, trouble with? For me, I don't know if it's the attendant anxiety of this time, but I have had just an awful breakout um, so my skin is not good at the moment. And I think uh, I can't be alone really in that. I have a giant spot on my chin. Like I haven't had a spot like this in a long time. And I wonder, is it Corona anxiety related? 
I don't know. I mean, maybe stress obviously does impact the skin a lot. Um, I'm getting a lot of questions as well about hair removal, which is obviously so personal. You know, some people don't do it at all. There's not really a reason to do it unless you want to. Um, but a lot of people are going back to old fashioned shaving. If you have the funds, which a lot of people don't at this time, you can purchase um, an at-home IPL device. So the Philips Lumea is really good. It's about 500 euro, which is obviously very expensive. Um, but essentially, you never have to wax again. Um, it will minimize your body hair by about 90%. Um, so you can use it on legs, face, very good for the chin hairs. Just don't get it near your eyebrows or they'll never come mm. back. You know, my mom is growing a Corona beard. Yes, I saw. I saw. Uh, yeah. Um, I think she should do she some kind of stop motion that. account for, for TikTok is what the young people are doing. 500 quid is very expensive. For, so if you're not going to go down that road. No, but if you are the kind of person who is waxing every month at 40, 50, 80 euro, then it is obviously a good investment for you because you can use it on any part of your body. But if you're just somebody who um, is getting a bit irritated with some body hair, you know, go back to shaving. It's not it's not the worst option in the world. Um, or buy an electric razor uh, if you have one or steal one from your husband and never tell him what you've done with it. Can we talk a little bit about, I mean, I said it at the beginning, people are sick, people are dying. These things aren't the most important things that we need to be talking about at the moment, but they're still going on in people's lives. I mean, I put on some red lipstick there the other day, I took just going for a walk with my kids and I, I I don't know what it was. It made me feel so much better. And I posted a little selfie on Twitter and, and I got a lot of a big response of people understanding what, where I was coming from. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about that, why it's morale boosting and why people shouldn't be judgmental, I suppose, of other people to whom this is important? Yeah, I think the judgment is is a response from people who are also frightened. You know, there seem to be some people, especially on social media, who think that if they just always talk about nothing but this situation, in some way that's helpful to other people. And it's not. They're obviously attempting to soothe themselves by doing that. But putting huge quantities of your personal anxiety out into the internet is not helpful to anybody. And unless you have the capacity to make a practical difference to this, or you have knowledge that can make a practical difference to it, you know, stressing out verbally in front of everybody is just sharing your anxiety around. I don't really see how that's helpful to anyone. Um, people need their moments of kind of mindful, uh, distraction. They need to do things to keep them present in the day. Routine is obviously really important. I'm quite thankful that I've always pretty much worked from home because this transition is not that stressful to me as a result of that. But if you are in an office all the time or you're in a public facing job where you're talking to people, it's so it must be so challenging and upsetting to be completely thrown out of your routine and have no sense of structure to your day. So you know, if if doing some yoga in the morning helps you, do it. If um, listening to music cheers you up and dancing around the kitchen with your children helps you, do it. If wearing lipstick makes you feel better, do it. It is, it is a, a no harm activity that can brighten your day a little bit. And also, it's kind of a signal to other people around you that you haven't, um, not that you haven't given up on yourself, but that you haven't given up on on trivialities because they're really important. I don't think sitting in a circle and keening over the horror of this situation is going to help anybody. Um, doing nothing but worrying is self-evidently a bad thing to do. So find joy where you can create it for yourself. 
Excellent advice. Just before you go, can we talk about the men in our lives? Should we be getting the scissors out and cutting their hair or not? Because some men will be having some anxiety around these things as well. My partner only lets one man in Dublin cut his hair and has, it's been that way for a long time. And I'm actually a bit worried about when he starts to have the growth around his ears. This guy apparently can only cut his hair properly around his ears. Nobody else can do it. So I'm, I'm, I'm bracing myself for the angst around that. But I think I should probably keep the scissors in the kitchen drawer. I don't know. I mean, it depends how long this lasts, right? We might be talking in a month's time and you'll have the pudding bowl out of the cupboard. Who knows? <laughs> the thing is, I think... This is where the perspective thing is quite important. I think one of the ways in which we can all club together around this is that um, firstly, realising with appreciation all of the wonderful professional people who help us to kind of authentically express who we want to be and who we feel like um, with their excellent skills that we don't have. Um, But also, we're all just going to look a bit more rustic for a while. Everybody is. And that's all right, you know. It, I, it, we're not going to have the same polish. We're not going to have the same um, sharp corners. We're going to have fuzzy sideburns and pudding bowl haircuts. And um, we're all going to be in it together. I mean, I'm worried, actually, because my I guess it sounds strange to call him my husband, but I guess he is now. Yes, his hair he is, is. His hair is growing out in a mushroom shape. And he keeps saying we're going to have to do something about this soon. <laughs> Um, but he's also the kind of person who's going to be incredibly angry if I mess it up, which is guaranteed because I have no haircutting skills. Um, Laura, so I'll let you know how Laura, it goes. you didn't know you married a mushroom head, did you? No, that's the thing. He's the most groomed person I know. He steals all my beauty stuff. He always has this incredibly sharp haircut. So, yeah, I, I mean, it takes people of immense skill to create that look and I can't do it. So I have no idea what we're all going to look like. We'll all just have to shave our heads. It'll be fine. Brilliant. We'll all do a Sinead O'Connor. We had her on the other day. That's I've seen a few people saying they're going to do that. Um, Laura, it's been an absolute delight to talk to you. You're still Laura Kennedy. You haven't changed your name. Would that be correct? I don't know. I mean, I think the only, the only <gasps> really valid... interesting. Well, okay. the only valid reason, I think, for changing your name is the classic and traditional religious reason, which is if the other person's name is cooler than yours. Um, <laughs> so I might tack it on the end. We'll see. But for professional purposes, I'll, I'll always be Laura Kennedy. <laughs> Excellent. Well, we hopefully have you back on. I hope I hope it doesn't go on that long, but we might have to have you back on on a monthly basis uh, just to see how, how rustic we're all getting. And um, it's been lovely to talk to you. Take care of yourself in London and we'll talk to you soon. Bye. Take care. Bye, Nora. And that's it for today. Thank you very much to our guests, Dr. Zoe Lynch and to Laura Kennedy. Remember, you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We're on Spotify, Acast and all good podcast apps. And if you do want to get in touch, we are on Twitter and Facebook at IT Women's Podcast or email us on thewomenspodcast at irishtimes.com. The podcast is produced by me, Roisin Ingle, and by Suzanne Brennan with JJ Vernon on sound. And until next time, thank you very much for listening. Stay home and stay safe. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. 
That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.